Hey everyone, welcome to the Confused Dad episode 9. With me, the always confused dad. Um, and today I want to talk a little bit about helping people. And it's a strange topic for me because I, I'm a kind of introverted individual. I kind of stick to myself. I don't go out looking for people to connect with. I definitely don't walk into a room and uh, find myself automatically able to make conversation. Unless I'm pressed to. I, I do. I do. I'm, I'm able to play the game. But it doesn't come naturally to me. And I think as I get older, I'm less likely to make, I don't know, maybe make a huge effort to try and pretend that I'm I'm that sort of socially comfortable dude. I'm really not. And the story I want to share with you goes back um, a couple of years where I was on my way to work. I was driving on my way to work, which is a, uh, I was on my way and, and I had a meeting in the morning. That's right. I had to meet with parents and I was teaching their child at the time. And these parents were unbeknownst to me going through some financial trouble and a few months later, they basically announced that they were going to be leaving the country and that they'd gone bankrupt. And, and it was a really sad story because I didn't know anything about the pressures that they were under at the time. But uh, nonetheless, they had three children and these children were three girls and they were all very awesome. They all were very different. But, we, you know, like with all all relationships that are sort of long term and in, in, in the school that I, that I was in, um, I would teach teach a child in an elementary setting or primary school setting for multiple years. So I knew them for quite some time and I had a meeting. So it was a relatively important meeting. And it was, uh, the meeting was scheduled for, I think, I think it was 8 a.m. And I was, uh, I was driving along. It was about 7.45. I was going to definitely make eight o'clock. And I saw a car that had broken down on the side of the road. And this car, for some reason, caught my attention. I think it was that, well, I don't know what it's like in your country, but our police service struggle immensely with uh, underfunding. They're under-trained. It's very difficult. There's some amazing people in the in the police force, but there's also it's also very very difficult for us to get the kind of people in there that. Uh, that one needs. I mean, you need someone with an incredible amount of EQ, someone who can de-escalate a situation. In our country, we f- we find that that overall, based on our history and and so on, everyone escalates, including the police. But anyway, what caught my attention about this is that a police car that was ahead of me in the traffic drove past this this broken down car, and I looked into the the cars. I was slowly sort of snail snailing my way past, and I saw it was an elderly woman of about in her early 60s. I'm not too good with, with guessing, but she was gray-haired and relatively relatively small and thin and frail and so on. And something in me had this, had this weird moment of having to weigh up. Do I make this meeting on time? Knowing that, that this family is already, they, there's tensions within the family, there's tensions within, one can feel it when you kind of know this is sort of important to have to make this meeting at all costs and stopping and helping this old woman. And there was just something in me that said, yeah, stop, stop and help the woman. Like in terms of priorities, this is, this is the one, this is the important priority right now. This little old lady, cars were zipping. I mean, it's, it, 
although there was traffic, it, it was solidly packed and there were a, there was a constant movement of cars past this old old lady and she was really in the middle of a lane. There wasn't she wasn't off to the side or anything. It just it just looked scary for her. So I went off in front of her, stopped the car, got out, and I offered to assist her. Um, she was quite relieved at this, and it turns out that she was a nurse, or at least a nurse that had gone into retirement. She'd served her entire life as a, as a nursing, as a sister, as a nurse, and also in this country, I take my hat off to South African nurses. Um, the conditions that that the sort of public sector nurse works in in this country is in, it's absolutely abysmal on so many levels. Just very recently in our country, a few days ago, there's a, a strike that is being organized to try and bring attention to this because it is often nurses themselves have to buy patients the medicine they need because there isn't anything to, there's no stock of, of medication in the actual uh, hospital and they, the, the, the patients don't have any money and it's just, it's a real mess. So I was just taken aback by this sort of servant in her, in the, in the sort of autumn, winter of her life. And she was incredibly um thankful and she had a very old cell phone one of those where you can only really you know phone and she was trying to see she had a company that she was meant to phone to come and and, and tow the car vehicle or a garage that she had someone that that said you know if there's trouble with a car um phone me and she was trying to read the number and put it into her phone but her eyesight wasn't very good so she was struggling so i took the phone and and called and figured out where she was and this is basically to cut a long story short i received a message obviously from the parent i was going to have a i was going to have a meeting with and as soon as as they messaged me saying right uh, or meeting all okay i immediately messaged back saying listen i'm in a situation at the moment and i'm probably going to have to delay i'm sitting with this old lady because now we're waiting for the person to come and tow her and i'm not going to leave her there on her own and um and this this person got so irate with me and so angry. How dare I? This isn't professional. That I'm not meeting at the the requested time. And there was this weird like like explosion in my head. It really was thing of I was I was so taken aback. Like how dare you, you selfish person? Like I was just thinking to myself if this if this was your daughter on the side of the road, and I helped stopped to help her, and I had a meeting and and. And then I prioritize that over her. Like, what kind of? I mean, if if her children grew up to be to be the kind of person who drives by an old woman stuck on the side of the road, so that they can be on time for a meeting, like I just I don't know. That was a defining some kind of weird little defining short circuit in my brain that just said that's not cool. And that I get again. Please don't get me wrong contextually you have to think about the situation am i going to stop and help absolutely everyone who's broken down at the side of the road no particularly because i'm not in the safest of countries um there are uh there are some nefarious uh, things that happen and there are some some almost syndicates that set up these kinds of things to once someone helps them they then get robbed look i, I get that at 7 30 in the morning with an old woman on the side of the road i thought geez if i'm going to be robbed this syndicate is either really dumb or damn good. So I did it, but I was I was really shaken by the fact that I was then, I felt incredibly guilty for missing a meeting that I could just have later that day 
or the next day. And I would have had to give up the opportunity to make someone feel a little bit more relaxed about a situation that they were really not, they were not okay with and they couldn't really help themselves out of. And by all accounts and purposes, someone else might have stopped in the next five minutes if I hadn't. But just based on what I had seen from the traffic, no one was. So I kind of wondered to myself, if there are these moments in life where you're given the opportunity to help, and I, I realize that now, like it's become awkward to ask for help because, and especially maybe in a, in a kind of middle-class environment where you, you're disconnected from people that are different from you, that have less from you. It's almost like a, you're in a, a kind of one of those really cool space-aged hamster cages and you're running up those little funnels and tunnels from your, you know, your family sedan to your, to your, to your office back into the car, protected into your home. And there's, there's this kind of thread where you don't actually interact with the outside world. You're not forced to. And you lose touch. And then when you help someone, you're made to feel, you're made to feel like bad about it. I thought that that was, that was incredibly, incredibly horrible. And um, I don't know if that's ever happened to any of you, where helping someone went wrong for you, where you actually ended up with a short end of the stick. But I can still stand by and I think about it, I don't know, it triggered for me. The opportunity to help someone is, is that, it's a gift. It's a gift. And asking for help, there's an interesting exchange there. And it goes beyond, I don't know, we always think that, you know, once someone's helped you, and and and, and once someone's helped you, they, they, they kind of, they've helped you, and then you have to, like, do something in return, you know. The, the old lady actually said that she was going to bake me a cake, and I actually thought, oh, that's actually pretty cool. I'd love to have a cake baked by, she's probably really good at baking for some reason, because she's an old, and she's a nurse, and she should know how to bake. But she never did. She never phoned me. She took my number. She never called me. She never gave me the cake. And I was, I, I, I was also shocked because I was, I was so, there was a level of me, a level at which I was also like, damn, I deserve that cake. I couldn't believe that, that I, I actually felt like, why didn't that old lady, you know, phone me and give me the damn cake? Like she owes me. I could not believe that I thought that way. It's so bizarre because helping someone has turned into maybe a ritualized societal structure thing where you, you know, you help somebody start their car and then they have to come the next day with like a box of chocolates. There's an awkward exchange of thanks. And then that's kind of like, that's kind of like, okay, cool. Now we're neighbors and we're like, you know, it's good to know that we're part of a community. And it feels sort of hollow for me, the kind of tit for tat, keeping track of, of favors and things. I don't know. There's a part of me that that wants to ask for help more so that other people can give help and a part of me wants to help more. But at the same time, I'm also I also like there seems to be there seems to be brownie points or societal points given to the nature of your help. Like someone who's saving the whales or feeding the homeless or, you know, is out there as part of a a, a team that 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 helps medical medical teams in, in like war-torn environments, they're doing better, they, they're doing more, they're, they're like more selfless. And someone who who doesn't, someone who just helps out their neighbor with something very middle class is like lesser. And I think we, we, definitely, we definitely look at it like that. And I suppose you could argue that, yeah, the guy feeding the homeless is doing more for society than someone who 
you know, is helping their neighbor sand their door. I don't know. But we just, we, we calibrate it all. And I don't know. It's, it's a struggle for me personally to, to figure out how to, how to ask for help and how to give help. Um, how to ask for help so that uh, one has to feel vulnerable, right? And I saw this really cool experiment where this guy was, um, it was a YouTube uh, video series where a guy was like trying to um, live off uh, a pound a day in London, right? So he had to eat for a pound a day. He has to live for a week. And he documented this and he successfully managed it through all clever little hacks and things. But on the final day, he decided not to be strategic and clever. He just decided to go to various restaurants and places and say, can I have some food? And yes, okay, the guy had his camera with him and he explained the situation. He gave it context. And I think that skewed it a little bit. But he managed to get he managed to get more than needed. And he reflected and said, you know, we forget that sometimes you can just ask. You can just ask for help. And I don't know, maybe in, in a country like South Africa where there's so much help needed, you you can't help everyone, obviously. In fact, you probably encounter so many people from your home to your workplace that you encounter so many people that need help that you have to cull or sort of prune that part of your mind that gets activated in a very humanistic way like you can't look at every single person standing at the side of the road and go how can i actually alter your life or how can i help you or how can i give you some money because if you did that every day you legitimately wouldn't have enough money so i don't know how it's done and i don't know what my my role is in that um but but i think i think there is something to be said for for helping and that, that that actually feels good. My son said something so interesting in the car today. He was talking all about, he, he often says this, where he'll come up with a scenario that's like absolutely gore-filled, terrific, violent scenario. Like he said, there's a boulder with chainsaws strapped to it and broken glass on it. And the boulder's rolling down a hill and there's a whole bunch of like babies and kids at the bottom of the hill. And then he said, at five, he said he would he would sacrifice himself and push the babies and the kids out of the way. And there's this like exploration he's doing about, I don't know, some sort of morality or something to do with sacrifice and its importance, um, which is interesting to me because I think the more you're stuck in a kind of bubble or tunnel, maybe you become jaded, especially when there are people around you who can enable themselves, like people who have enough financial ability to, to basically lubricate the reality of life, right? But when you don't, when there's people who don't, and you're more aware of that, there is something which you need to take away from it. Well, at least it's, it's become something that I'm slowly becoming aware of, is that, that those people, the people with less, are often the ones who will help you more and that's fascinating to me because I think they're more connected to the nature of, of, of helping. They've had to do it more often and they've had to ask for help more often. So that's the story. Um, how did it end? Well, I think the lady, she, she got towed. I, I made sure of that. And we had the meeting a few days later where it was never acknowledged that it was a pretty nasty thing to essentially say that I was a horrible person for helping an old lady on the side of the road with a broken down car. And then those people left and moved countries. And I realize now 
in context, they were having such a horrible time and their lives, they had, there was such a context for that, that pressure that they were putting on me and that they wanted respect and they wanted to feel in control. And that's because their lives were not in control. And I, I honor that because everybody has a story. Everybody has their breaking point where they will act in ways that they wouldn't normally when you back someone into a corner where they feel backed up into a corner through situations in their lives, any human, irrespective of how good they are or how integrated or how well adjusted or how sociable they are, every animal, every mammal will bite. And um, I think that's important to remember is that what you're dealing with when someone throws and slings mud at you, even at a, in a situation where you really, you really are morally in the right um, I think it, it it comes with context and I think that's always important to to try and remember. It's not always easy. At the time I was like, oh my gosh, this is this person is is truly psychopathic and insane. But upon reflection, I, I understand that there were pressures there too. So yeah, that's the story for today. And what I took from it also is I I will stop and help people when it makes sense and it's not a risk to my own child or family, um, I will stop. I will, and I made that promise to myself. So the next time you see a situation that you think you can help out in, and um, give it a go. You never know. You never know. For some reason, I encountered an amazing dad. Uh, his name is Hugo Torres. He lives in the United States, a Mexican-born um, really interesting dad and the parallels between our situations were actually shocking to me I don't know why the universe well clearly the universe has its own plans for for who I need to connect with but I just wanted to uh, give you a little brief introduction to um, this very interesting podcaster writer dad full-time uh, full-time dad and, and he's, he's just restarted his life as an estate agent after being in, in managing of, of estate agents for many many years and um, I'm just humbled that people out there exist who are willing to share their stories and and um, also uh, I suppose it's people that I can learn from because I found that that, that has been very difficult for me is to find um, people who I can learn from who have had very similar experiences to my own but it was quite a shock so this is the uh, short uh, chat we had um, I hope you enjoy it adjust my situation here that's all right Oh, there we go. Can you hear me? Can you hear me okay still? Fantastic. Good start. Superman. Okay. Well, um, all right. So I'm the confused dad. I'm a dad and 35 year old dad at, um, in South Africa. I recently became a full-time stay at home father due to some very interesting, uh, events that happened in my life after being a teacher for, for multiple years. And it's been quite a shock to the system. I've been, I've been at home for about the last month and I'm coming to terms with that reality. Um, it has some very interesting, uh, it's had some very interesting effects on my life thus far. But that's me in a nutshell. Um, yeah, what about you? Where are you from and what do you do? And yeah. Well, uh, in, a, in that sense, I think we're very similar. I happen to be in Southern California where it's a little bit cloudy. Uh, not the typical nice weather that we have around this time of year. Uh, in the I say that is because you and I connected under the theme of depression. So I, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I wonder how apropos that is considering the weather. But um, and also we've had a school shooting here in the United States, which we're dealing with now. And I just talked about that a second ago um, on my own show. 
So with that being said, uh, to, to answer your question, I have been in real estate sales for a long time. I, what, I managed a, a real estate offices for the majority of my career and then switched over to uh, sales on my own, which meant that, uh, a completely different pace uh, from the everyday to where I'm also a full-time dad and I'm responsible for making sure that the household is being run uh, as as well as I can manage it to make sure that meals are taken care of. I'm also involved with Parent Teacher Association here uh, locally. Uh, so I'm an all-around full-time dad, kind of just like you, it seems. And uh, so, and, and for the reason why uh, you know I chose to talk about depression is because there's always ups and downs with with everything that we do. So that's just a little bit of background on me. No, that's great, man. And you say you went from sales into real estate. Is that right? Well, I was in management and then went from management to real estate sales. I went through a point where I felt that about my mid-30s, where I really felt that I needed to take advantage of the energy that I have. Uh, Real estate managers is a completely different beast. And real estate sales, especially in Southern California, you know, just real estate in general in California can be very lucrative. Um, but and, and I wanted to take advantage of that during my 40s, where I feel that I'm going to have where I, where I feel like I'm going to have as much energy as I'm going to, because I've seen some folks into their 50s and their 60s. And that energy starts to wane, especially as taxing as real estate can be sometimes. Mm. And and you have uh, two children, a child. How many children? What ages? I have two children. Uh, they are. I have a middle school kid, so you know, just shy of being a teenager. And I have a younger kiddo, who is about ten years old. So uh, elementary school. And yourself? Okay. Um, I have a five-year-old son. Um, yeah, and, and I'm planning not to have any more children. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't definitely can't emotionally handle that it's sort of I'm a very much a an eggs in you know all in one basket kind of guy um but that has burnt me in terms of 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 of, of business and and so on I, I really invested a lot of energy the last eight years in building up I was a teacher and, and a principal of a school and I put all my energy into that and it, it came to an abrupt end and uh, I'm sort of left trying to pick up the pieces and figure out what what skill sets I have and what what is available for me to to start exploring, um, bearing in mind that I, I also now homeschool my son, so he's with me the whole day. Um, right. And I, I cannot, I can't trust. If if my own school was 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 one I cannot trust, then then putting him anywhere else just doesn't feel right. So it's it's figuring it all out now. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting one. And obviously, like you say, those those peaks and troughs emotionally, they they do they do really spill over over there's this sort of depressive little moments where you're like wow you know is this i don't know how to how i'm going to cope or this is so different to what i'm used to and and how to actually i don't know work your way through those so that you don't lose a momentum right i understand that i i feel that you especially i i think all people do especially in modern society but at least for me i can only speak for myself and you tell me if you share a similar thought or if you have something different but that I had a title at one point. I had responsibility. Uh, I had people that answered to me. Uh, and so my personality or my persona to a certain degree went hand in hand with uh, my work as a, as a manager, as a general manager of a fairly uh, good sized company. And when that ended, 
it was like and basically like you abruptly when that ended i felt that my persona was being challenged because i have defined myself in such a way now that's not the case anymore and now i have to at you know in my late 30s redefine myself and take on new the new challenges of being at home and not having necessarily people report to you on the everyday and even though it's stressful uh, or what I did was extremely stressful, I've, I've learned that I miss that and not having it causes, uh, causes gripe, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And, and either how long did it take you um, to, how long did it take you for that feeling of, because I mean, when you're, when you're in it, like you say, you, you, the people reporting to you, you're managing things and it takes so much, you're so present. You have to be sort of present in the moment and, and time is very different when you're not in that state. And, and I understand what you're saying about it being negative and positive for you and that you may even miss that, that intensity from time to time. How long did it take you until you sort of came to terms with the fact that there could be a new reality and that it started, you know, when you move into maybe a, a different home or something, you almost believe like you're never going to feel like it's going to be be a part of your background knowledge. Like a new home always feels weird for a very long time. How long did it take you before it started feeling almost like part of you? Oh, I'm going to say it may be into my first, maybe at the year mark. Um, mm. it, it was apropos that the, the, the shift that happened for me happened literally at New Year. Uh, So my New Year's news to my wife was, hey, guess what? I don't get to report to work back on Monday. Things have shifted. So it was a very jarring situation. And uh, so there was the dealings with that. The uh, obviously a lot of people that when you work for and you have such a close team, which real estate sales can be, there's a thousand questions that people want to know what happened what's the background and you feel like you're going through this tour of repeating the same uh, questions or answering the same questions over and over again because everybody wants to know it's the talk of the town uh, mm. then you realize okay now what are my resources what do i know who do i know what have i wanted to do what do i want to explore i'm in my mid-30s what does that mean uh i had plans but now those obviously have to be rearranged on the home front what is our economy going to look like? Uh, at that point, my wife had been a stay-at-home mom for uh, quite some time, and she made a switch to start looking. And luckily for us, our relationship is one where we don't really care who is the main breadwinner as long as that home front is being taken care of. And so she started to rally and think about her, you know, her work and, and go, returning back to a career. Um, then it was deciding, okay, I'm going to look at real estate sales because I had thought about that anyways. And now I'm kind of forced to do it. But going from having the main office to being in a cubicle, it's your ego gets checked and and, and gets pushed around some. And so all of that, starting from a new business from scratch uh, and being your back is against the wall. And all of those things are just a, blood and wave of emotions plus also realizing that you have a new schedule now and it's one of being at home and dropping off kids which seems so contrary to what you're used to uh you know getting dressed up and putting a nice coat on in a suit and going to work and in the politics of things 
to being at home in sweats and I got, now I got to go drop off kids. <laughs> it's all very jarring. And I, I, I think you might have experienced some of these things as well. But to, to answer your question, it really took about a year for the, the not psycho, but for the routine to start kicking in, for me to start feeling comfortable with my new position, to have shed away a lot of the emotion and feeling that I've gone to that and said that was and, and, and give it some rest. Say that was a part of my life. That was a stage of my life. It ended. It didn't end in the way that I would have liked, but it's over. And now I have to shift and move on to the next adventure in life. And I cannot dwell. And it mm. was it was about that around the holidays, the year after, where you realize I survived this. And now here we are back at the holidays. And our house is still our home. The kids are getting older. My wife and I are still together and, and, and we're coping. Uh, bills are getting paid, which is always helpful. I'm going to be all right. And, and that has led to now a conversation of, well, I was in a box for a long time. No, I'm not in that box. What does that mean? And that has led to my writing. That has led to the podcasting. Uh, in, an, in a, a whole mess of new adventures that are now part of my routine. And I think, my gosh, that was a lifetime ago. Mm. So, so it's, it's, it's premature for me a, a month in, I'm still, I'm still sort of finding myself in a, a Truman show uh, moments where I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost in disbelief that I'm in a, this situation where I'm sort of going, this can't be real. This, this is, has to be a, a kind of hidden camera moment. And, and perhaps I'm, I'm I'm pushing too soon to think that that's going to to dissipate um, overnight because sometimes I'm very I'm still very angry. I still have a lot of anger uh, about being in a situation that I didn't ask to be in, and and having spent so much of my life energy building something that was removed. And uh, I kind of I'm still quite I'm quite angry about that. And you're going to be for quite a while. Gosh, I, we have about eleven minutes. We have about four minutes left, but. I will tell you this that I would really love to reconnect uh, because mm. you, because you're not you're not the only uh, man that I have talked about this. I think this is something that you know because work is a challenge and businesses make decisions and often we are uh, there's a lot of men that get left or or or, or all of a sudden find themselves in new territory that they didn't think they were going to find themselves in. And they, they, we don't, I sometimes don't think that we have a good place to talk to, but to, to answer what you're saying real quick, I think it is too soon. I, and I think that you have the right to be angry. Uh, that is fair for you to, to be. It's just a matter of then challenging that to something new. And, uh, but you're going to feel that and you're going to feel that for a while and it's fair. Uh, it's just a matter of understanding that you are feeling angry and then making decisions that are channel that energy to something positive, but you are going to feel that oh, way for a while. That's great, man. Thank, Hugo, thank you, man. This has been really, I'm, I'm really being very grateful for what you've shared and, and most definitely I would like to, to connect again and, and, and talk more about, about various subjects. So I think there's a lot we have in common, although you might be a little bit further down the line. I think I can learn quite a lot from your experiences. So I'm very grateful that you shared them so, so, so openly with me. Right back at you. I will definitely check out your things. Is there a place where people can find you online? 
Uh, yeah, just yeah on on Anchor or, or just search for Confused Dad podcast or uh, email me at confuseddads at gmail dot com. That's about it. Fantastic. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Hugo's Posts on there. I'm also on Instagram where I post about my food. That's uh, and it's Hugo Torres on Instagram. And I like I said, I will definitely check out. Uh, whatever you've recorded or your recordings to come, I hope you will do the same. And if we have a chance to reconnect, uh, let's do so. And I guess I, I will leave it at this. And it's not something that's new to me. It's been, I, I've read it, this in, 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 in a book, but it will get better. It, it, yeah. it, it's tough right now, but it will get better. All right, my man. Thank you so much. Cool, you got Thanks, man. You bet. Let's do it again. Peace out. All right, man. Keep well.